0: You don't have to look a certain way in order to be fit. Fitness does not look one particular way. And really embracing a type of well-being that allows you to explore what makes you feel good.
1: Everyone, Emily Abadi here. You are listening to an installment of Hurdle Moment from Hurdle, a wellness-focused podcast where I connect with everyone from your favorite athletes to top experts and industry CEOs about their highest highs, toughest moments, and everything in between. We all go through hurdles in life, and my goal through these discussions is to empower you to better navigate yours and move with intention so that you can stride toward your big potential and, of course, have some fun along the way for today's conversation i am elated for the third year in a row to call on the experts from well and good to talk about the trends in wellness that we are going to see in 2023 today i am chatting with abby stone she is the vice president of content for well and good and we as i said are digging into their 2023 wellness trends they have asked all of the experts, what's going on? They've dug into the data and they have scoured the market, and now they've called it. They have called what will be the biggest trends and most groundbreaking innovations that will dominate the conversation in wellness and your well being in the next 365. This is an episode every year that I've come to really enjoy, and the data shows that you do too. So what is going to be trending? What kinds of topics will we be talking about? Well, in the self-care arena, we'll be chatting all about how sexual wellness is coming soon to a store near you. I know you want to know more on that. Plus with mental fitness, how we will be working out our mental health like we do our bodies. Now, on the fitness side of things, so much stuff, including the fact that IRL Fitness is truly back. It's not going anywhere. Plus, how mobility training is now moving out of the physical therapist's office. And Finally, can't forget one of my favorite topics the rec leisure trend. I'm talking about hiking like articles of clothing and gear that we're not just taking with us up the mountain, but also wearing around town plus, of course, so many other good trends that they have identified for 2023. Again, I love this combo. I hope you do too. And I'd be super curious to know what's on your radar for 2023. What are the things that you'll be focusing on in your personal wellness snapshot? Let me know by tagging the show over on social. It's at hurdle podcast. Of course, I am over at Emily Abadi. Before I let you go today, I do want to make sure that I call out the upcoming goal-setting workshop. It's going to be held on January 4th. There is limited space and spots are going fast. So I'm going to link to that workshop in the show notes and there you can find out all of the information that you need to know. Make sure if you are not signed up already, subscribe to the weekly hurdle. It's the newsletter that comes out every single Friday to give you the things that you love about the show, motivation, inspiration, gear picks, and more directly in your inbox. The link to sign up for that can also be found in the show notes. I think that's it for now. With that, let's do it. Let's get to hurdling. Today, I am sitting down with Abby Stone. She is the Vice President of Content for Well and Good. How are you doing?
0: I'm so good. Thank you for having me.
1: Thank you for coming into the studio. It's (laughs) always so refreshing to me when I get to say that sentence, IRL.
0: (laughs) I know, Sam. I love that I'm looking at you across the desk right now. It's really giving me life.
1: We are here to chat. This is the third year that I have had someone from the Well and Good team in to chat about your wellness trends. So we are here today to talk about what you see coming down the pipe for all things wellness, fitness, health, and self-care in 23. Talk to me about why this is something that Well and Good makes a priority year after year.
0: Sure. So, you know, your longtime listeners who've heard uh, other people from Well and Good before might know this already, but we've been um, releasing our list of wellness trends since the brand was founded way back in um, 2010. And at the beginning, when Well and Good was first founded, you know, it was really focused on reporting on Uh, location-specific new releases and new studio openings, mostly in New York and LA. So the list was really a list of try this new studio, try this new green juice. And what we've seen over the past decade plus is that as the wellness industry is expanding and the definition of wellness has expanded and people's understanding of wellness has expanded, the trends list has really grown along with it. And what we have today is a list of, we call it wellness trends, but it's really these movements and advancements and innovations within the health and wellness space that are causing us to rethink and revisit how we access our own well-being. So to get back to your question of why is it important, I think that there's so much curiosity about wellness and also so much disinformation and misinformation in the health and well-being space that Well and Good really uses our wellness trends report as an opportunity to cut through that noise um, and make real intangible for people the ways that these cultural movements are reflected in really specific offerings that they'll see in the coming year.
1: Right, right. Super important, really being able to give information that's helpful to consumers, not just in these big metropolitan areas, you and me sitting here in Brooklyn right now, but of course extending well beyond that. Now, before we get into our first category of fitness, give us a little insight into Abby. What kind of things do you like to do when it comes to mind, body, and wellness?
0: Amazing. So I was a dancer for my entire life. I started dance classes when I was three years old. I was a dance minor in college and that has really framed a lot of my approach to well-being so most obviously, I love movement. I love moving my body. And that's really what makes me feel good. It's like my happy place when, when I'm exercising. And then kind of on the flip side of that, not to get you know real deep with you real quick, but there's a lot of body image issues that come with the dance industry and with the ballet industry in particular. Um, And because of that, I think I've become very aware of the impact that diet culture and media representation of fitness, quote unquote fitness, looks like in the mainstream. Um, So my approach for, for well-being in my personal life, I think, is also reflected in the work we do at Well and Good, which is really taking this inclusive, accessible approach to well-being that says you don't have to look a certain way in order to be fit. Fitness does not look one particular way um, and really embracing a type of well-being that allows you to explore what makes you feel good.
1: Yeah, I love that. And I, you answered my question, which was going to be how does your personal philosophy really impact the work that you guys do over at Well and Good? Clearly leading up the charge in terms of content there, it allows you to have a heavy hand in the types of stories that you're telling and who you are targeting, who your target consumer really is. So that's really awesome that you can chime in there because I agree with you there is not one size fits all when it comes to what we should be doing or shouldn't be doing in fitness what we you know want to we want to make sure that we're offering content that serves everybody and like literally physically everybody so I love that yeah. I love that
0: I would just add to that really quick that I think historically well and good like I was mentioning really reported on wellness and reported on Um, the innovations that were happening within the space. And I think over the past few years in particular, we've really made it our mission and our goal to not just report on what's happening, but to help move the needle in the directions where we think the wellness industry needs to go. So spotlighting more diverse experts and Mm -hmm. brands, passing the mic, we'll maybe talk about that with one of our trends today, to a wider representation of people and voices and experiences. And really just making clear the way, you know, not only the fun new stuff that you can find to increase your well-being, but also really shine the deliberate spotlight on some of the barriers that prevent people from this country from accessing well-being, because it's not it doesn't all come down to personal responsibility. There are some real systemic issues at play
1: there. Totally. And I appreciate and recognize that you all have probably recognized maybe in years past where you may have done something one way and you say, all right, now let's pivot. We recognize that this isn't how we want to move forward. And then you do the best you can with that. And I think that that's what all brands have to do as we all evolve and the conversation continually evolves, um, of course, you know, socially, but clearly in our aspects of wellness as well. Now to pivot, and bring us to these 23 trends. The first category we are going to talk about is fitness, and it is no surprise that the first thing we're going to talk about is that IRL Fitness is back (sighs) with a vengeance. I'm so happy. I'm so happy. (laughs) Talk to us about that. What can we expect from IRL Fitness Studios moving into the new year?
0: Yeah, it's back, baby. I really wanted and my team really wanted to be definitive about that and calling that in our trends list this year. Um, You know, it was, it's no surprise to anyone that the fitness industry really struggled during the pandemic. Um, Gyms and boutique studios closed their doors, many mom and pop shops in particular, you know, weren't able to open them again or are now in the process of finding new spaces as, you know, the pandemic happened and we all turned, you know, to our homes and and kind of building out our home spaces there. So as we've talked about in prior trends reports and, and just on Well and Good in general, that bred a lot of innovation. It brought a lot of fitness brands into the digital space in a new way that was really, really exciting and made fitness more accessible to a lot of people. But heading into 2023, people are ready to go back to the gym. Um, we spoke with the CEO of MindBody, which is also um, which now owns ClassPass Fritz? as well.
1: Yes. Hey, my yeah. guy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's He was fantastic and super helpful while we built out this report. Um, and and yeah, what we're seeing is that studios and gyms are not quite back at pre-pandemic levels, but there's really, really promising momentum there. Um, so one of the signs that the fitness industry looks for is he told us that there are two big spikes during the year when people flock to the gyms. So no surprise, January, new year, new outlook is the biggest time of year for gyms but then they see another smaller spike in um, back to school season so in the fall when people are kind of like brushing off their summer you know travel vacation pool time plans and kind of getting down to focus again they also go back to the gym so looking at 2022 there was a, a little baby spike in January and then a big spike in September so fitness industry, Uh, Professionals are really thinking that that means that January in 2023 is going to be huge again for IRL fitness. Yeah. Um, So, yeah, super excited about this. Something that we've seen is that not all modalities and not all types of fitness have returned at the same level. And a lot of that feels like common sense. Mm. You know, I think that spinning, for instance, and yoga, people have not returned to the studio in quite the same numbers. You know, people did stock up on their, you know, their Pelotons, their echelons, their home bikes during the pandemic. And I think people are still really making use of those. They're not ditching them. And yoga is also another modality that can translate pretty well to an online class if you have the space to do it. Um, But meanwhile, we see boot camp type classes coming back in full force. Joey Gonzalez, the CEO of Barry's, told us that um, in the United States, they are now surpassed pre-pandemic levels at their classes um, and strength building classes and modalities like CrossFit are um, are seeing a strong return. I think that comes down to equipment in large part because Mm -hmm. you don't have these heavy weights or the space to do a boot camp class in your home necessarily. Um, But I think it also comes down to what a number of people and experts we spoke to identified as like the real heart of this trend and the driving force behind it, which is that people are craving community and the relationship aspect that comes with having an in-person fitness experience, which as a dancer, as I mentioned, is something that I love too and is really near and dear to my heart, being in that class environment, feeling the energy of the people around you. And that's something you just can't recreate at home or with a screen.
1: Yeah. I mean, and you don't need me to tell you, we know that the science shows that when you work out with someone who may be just a smidge, quote unquote, better than you are, you are motivated to push for longer and go farther. So just knowing the benefits of community aside from those extra endorphins and the high fives, it's also a huge performance benefit to get together and sweat communally. And for me personally, I'm so happy to hear that we are getting back in the studio. And speaking of getting back in the studio, I love this trend that mobility moves out of the physical therapist's office and into maybe a studio environment. One of my favorite classes to take from time to time is is a class that my uh one of my favorite training studios calls kin stretch and it's literally just a mobility based class stuff that i would never do on my own sitting in my living room.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Um so mobility is a buzzword that i think people have been throwing around a lot recently. Um and what we're seeing for 2023 is it's really it's really um digging in its heels, it's finding resonance with people, and people are really excited to explore this way of movement. So for people who aren't familiar, mobility refers to the range of motion within your joints, of your limbs within your joints. And because of that, it's a really dynamic approach to um, to training and again focuses on movement rather than just static stretching. I think a lot of times and we've seen that people conflate mobility with flexibility and with stretching, but it's really a pillar onto itself. Mm-hmm. And what we're seeing is that people are really thinking about mobility as a pillar. So if you think of the main kind of core components of fitness as being cardio, Flexibility and strength. I think people are now adding mobility to that as being real top of mind for them. And the reason for that is we're all so dang stiff. <laughs> we're sitting at our desks every day, we're hunched over a computer, so many of us, or we're working long hours on our feet. If we work in a hospital or in a factory or a setting like that, and we have sore backs and hunched shoulders, and it just literally doesn't feel good. So by focusing on on mobility, um, it's a really it's a great way to kind of boost Fitness over the course of your life and and kind of extend the the longevity of your body quite literally
1: for sure and it's also such a helpful component to doing all of the other things that you like doing well right like you said there are different pillars but all of those pillars influence one another I'm sitting here and we're talking about mobility and I'm thinking about like my stiff shoulder and being old and like where's the lacrosse ball that I usually keep under this desk so I totally totally see and recognize that this is a trend that's not going anywhere anytime soon. And if anything, hopefully more and more people are going to jump on, which brings me jumping on the bandwagon here. This word rec leisure is my new favorite word. And I instantly think of Lululemon earlier this year did like their hiking pack. And I would be so curious to know how many people bought the clothes in like this hiking capsule for actually hiking or really just to wear it like to Fort Green Park to walk their dog. But yes, the next trend we're going to talk about here, rec leisure. What's rec leisure?
0: Yeah, so I don't have Lulu's numbers. But um, (laughs) based on the reporting we did for the trend, I I feel pretty confident saying that people bought those for both. So yeah, rec leisure is a really fun trend. Um, It refers to, you know, first, we saw this wave of athleisure, right, which was um, creating active wear apparel that kind of could bleed from the gym into brunch. Um, It was cute, but also functional. And then we kind of saw that evolve into what people were calling work leisure. I think we called that as a trend back in maybe 2018, um, which are those, you know, the stretchy pants that look like trousers and sweat resistant button downs and then kind of taking that same mentality of really functional clothes um, into the workspace. And now what we're seeing is that, um, the, their new brands and brands have new releases that are creating technical apparel that really works in the outdoors if you're hiking or skiing, but again is cute and can be worn throughout the day you know your daily life. Um, and what I think is so cool about this trend and what happens with our trends report every year is even the trends that feel kind of fun and light, you know they are those things. but when you start, digging into the reasons for their popularity, it really speaks to bigger, more important cultural movement. Because what we're seeing with these new um, rec leisure brands is that they are laser focused on size inclusivity. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to outdoor apparel for women, for a long time, the shrink it or pink it model was really the only way to go. So they'd take a men's garment, they'd shrink it down, they wouldn't see how it worked on a woman's body. Um, and and frankly, they were, they were tiny. Um, it was really difficult to find, you know, I'm not the largest person, and I would find myself wearing larges and extra larges when it comes to outdoor apparel, which just, to me, speaks to the fact that they're leaving so many people out of this conversation. Definitely. So brands like Alder Apparel, and hiker kind and half days have all come onto the scene in the past couple of years um, and are focusing on this really again cute functional clothing that fits a really broad range of sizes. And they've really helped push the industry forward. So as we've seen these brands gain popularity, um, bigger, more household names like REI are also following suit, and they've extended their, um, their size ranges in stores in the past year as well.
1: Yeah. I mean, we love to hear that. We want to make sure that everyone can get the gear that they need to do whatever activity it is that they're after, even if they are just after most of the time wearing that for that walk around the park, I feel as though owning it enables you to think about doing that other thing that maybe you wouldn't have done before. So it kind of gives you this opportunity to ask yourself, all right, like, is this something I want to try now? Like, should I take these out and go hiking or, you know, whatever it is that you're going to do? So I love the word rec leisure. I'm going to figure out how to use that in a sentence later today. And then last but not least in this fitness category, we've got fitness tracking no longer all on the wrists. I've got to say upfront, I've been wearing a whoop since April 2019. I'm addicted to my whoop, but I feel like every time I walk outside, I'm seeing an aura ring on like four more people than I was yesterday.
0: Yeah, for sure. So fun, fun, quick story about this one. Um, I spend every Thanksgiving out with my in-laws in New Jersey. um, And we're always, you know, Thanksgiving always falls around crunch time for finalizing these fitness trends. So I'm always out there with my in-laws working on trends and they are fascinated by our trends report. And we're talking about like, middle-aged New Jersey. My father-in-law is a retired attorney and he just loves our wellness trends. So I was out there this year and he wanted to guess what some of them are. It was like his favorite game. He was like, let's see if I can guess some of these trends. And I was like, okay, there's no way, but sure, have a go. And the first thing he says is, fitness trackers are getting better and smarter with the biomechanics and the insights that they feed back to you. And I was like, okay, David, well, that's correct. (laughs) Ding, ding, ding. Um, And the reason I tell this story is because I think it's really reflective of the fact that advances within the fitness tech space is something that consumers are really ready for and are really excited about. So as you mentioned, historically, fitness trackers have been literally on your wrist, whether it's a watch or it's a Fitbit or a Whoop that goes on your wrist. And what we're seeing with this new wave of innovation is that the fitness trackers we use are getting smaller, less noticeable, and more seamlessly incorporated into your daily life. Um, Back in 2011, when Whoop was founded, the CEO, Will Ahmed, said that his goal with Whoop was to always make devices that were either cool or invisible. And I think what they're really delivering on with the newest model of the Whoop is that invisibility factor.
1: Right. I mean, I've got a sports bra and a pair of leggings that you put your Whoop into in the other room. So they're really trying to make sure that if you don't want to wear it on your wrist, you don't have to wear it on your wrist.
0: Exactly. Yeah, you nailed it. So the new Whoop is 33% smaller, um, and it's designed in concert with this new line of apparel called Whoop Body that has pockets, In um, strategic locations like your hip or your sports bra so that you can wear the whoop really close to your body and it'll continue um, feeding insights back to you, which really means you can set it or forget it. The battery life of this is also five days long. So you can literally just pop it in your pocket and forget about it. And that's that's really, really interesting because I think what we've seen again and again is that the screens on a lot of these fitness devices, the kind of multitasking fitness devices like your watch maybe can be really distracting for people Mm -hmm. and you get more hung up on, am I closing my rings? Am I reaching my step count instead of really thinking about how can I use this information that it's sending me to change my habits and improve my performance?
1: Right, which is where the journal then on Whoop comes in because you can actually be mindful of the things that you're doing on a day-to-day basis beyond just some of those data points that you threw into the mix a few seconds ago. And I I'm personally interested and excited to see what happens years down the line when it gets even smaller, right? Because that will give us an opportunity to really rethink – a lot of people don't – to, you know, where this data is going. They don't want to wear something on their wrist, right? I am one of those – rare people that wears both an Apple Watch and a Whoop every day. And like, I'm used to it now, but I do feel a little bit like I'm in these like handcuffs, and it's just a choice that I've made. So I'm ready to take off one, of, at least one of these wrist wearables yeah. sometime soon.
0: And another category here um, that we're really seeing gain popularity are continuous glucose monitors. Mm-hmm. So those are health devices that originated in the diabetes space to help control your blood sugar throughout your day. And what we're seeing now is Brands release consumer focused versions of these. So you can put it on the back of your arm um, and it monitors your glucose levels throughout the day. And again, sends kind of push notifications back to you, um, making recommendations. So, Levels is one brand that's really leading the charge here. Um, and it might notice that, you know, your blood sugar is spiking, but going for a walk could help bring it down. So it mm-hmm. encourages you to do that. So, What I love is it's not just feeding you raw data that might be difficult for you to synthesize or to know what to do with or could be really overwhelming for people. Um, But they help pair that with really actionable insights and advice that you can then implement in your life.
1: Yeah. And I think you have to know like what feels right for you and your body, right? Like I know that personally, I've tried a few different of those type devices, not levels specifically, but with me and my history in weight loss and eating, I knew that like, I didn't want access to that much data. Like it didn't make me feel comfortable. So you really have to listen to your internal voice and what feels right for you and then move forward from there. And that's not to say that someone can totally benefit from that type of information, but you know, you have to really listen to what's going on and what feels right. Absolutely. Uh, We're going to shift into the health area now. We are talking first and foremost about holistic maternal health services. They're helping to bring joy to childbirth. Elaborate on that for us.
0: Yeah, so the maternal health crisis in the United States is one of the most serious and scary health issues of our time. Um, maternal mortality, which means um, deaths of the mother or the childbearing person during childbirth or in the period afterward. Some definitions include um, just a couple months afterwards and some as much as a year afterwards by uh complications related to pregnancy, has increased over the years. And it's particularly critical in uh, in black women and indigenous women where the numbers are two to three times higher than they are for white women. So clearly there is a gap in healthcare that's emerging around this space and it needs immediate attention. And what we're seeing for 2023 is that One approach that's being taken to combat um, this crisis is a more holistic, full-body, whole-person, community approach to childbirth. Um, So what that translates to a lot of times is an increase in the use uh, and availability of doula services. Um, So a doula is not the same as a midwife. It's someone who has knowledge and is trained in regards to pregnancy and childbirth and postpartum. And they're able to help uh, the pregnant person develop a plan, a pregnancy plan and a birth plan, and can really act as an advocate for them as well during the birthing process, whether that's happening in a hospital or in homes. and what we've seen is that uh, birthing people that work with doulas see an increased success rate, and those mortality numbers are going down. Um, so what's really interesting in the coming year is that demand for doulas has risen. Um, we spoke with Latham Thomas, who's um, the the founder of Mama Glow and Glow Maven, and which are doula companies in New York City. And she really pointed to the fact that doulas have a greater cultural awareness as well and get to know the people that they're working with and spend time with them on a regular basis compared to your OBGYN that you might just check in with, you know, at the beginning and more at the end and kind of less throughout your pregnancy. Um, So they're able to really advocate for better birthing environments for people and it's translating to lives saved
1: taking a break from today's episode to talk to you about one of hurdles newest sponsors at eat sleep now Like over 30% of Americans, I am a super hot sleeper, and I have really struggled in the past with not only falling asleep, but staying asleep at night because of temperature. That, my friends, is where the eight sleep pod cover comes in it has completely changed the game for me. Now, not only does the pod help me sleep comfortably, no matter the outside temperature, but it also enables me to be in complete control of the temperature inside of my bedroom with its ability to dynamically cool and heat the bed to maintain that optimal sleeping temp from what my body needs. I am also obsessed with the gentle rise feature, which uses vibration at chest level to wake me up without disrupting my circadian rhythm, making mornings feel a little bit more welcoming and peaceful. Now, if that's not a pivot from my usual iPhone alarm, then I don't know what is. Listen, I'm obsessed with this thing. And in my mind, there is no better investment that you can make in the long term than spending smartly on your sleep, which truly impacts every aspect of our day-to-day get in on the action, grab an eight sleep pod cover for yourself. Head on over to eight sleep.com slash hurdle. That's dot com slash hurdle to save $150 on the pod at checkout. Again, that's eight sleep.com slash hurdle to get $150 off your eight sleep pod today. Next up, gotta give some love to my sponsor at Element. Element is a science-backed electrolyte drink mix with everything you need and nothing you don't. It's plant-based with no sugar, no gluten, no fillers, or other sketchy ingredients. And I use Element as my proper hydration strategy. Listen, proper hydration is critical for optimizing both physical performance, and mental performance. It's not just about drinking enough water to stay properly hydrated. You've gotta consume adequate electrolytes and that's because those electrolytes, they help your nerve impulses fire, regulate fluid balance, help produce energy, and support strong bones. Again, this is where Element comes into play and they have a great array of great tasting flavors like raspberry, orange, chocolate, citrus, you name it. Regardless of what you got on deck this week, give Element a try. Head on over to drinkelement.com slash hurdle. That's drinkelement.com slash hurdle to get a free Element sample pack with your purchase. Again, that is drinkelement.com slash hurdle to get a free Element sample pack with your purchase. The question arises then is like, despite the increase in perhaps use of doulas, obviously they still come with a price associated for that type of service. So for someone who may be interested in using a doula, but feels as though price is a barrier to entry, what do we say to them?
0: Yeah, no, that's a really great question. And it's an area where... Um, admittedly, more work still needs to be done because it is too expensive for some people to use. Um, but places like Mama Glow and places like Seisei is another one we spoke to are really working to bring prices down and to make their services more accessible for people.
1: And I'm sure also like putting as much information and content that they can into the world via their social platforms and their online presence as well to provide that free of cost to those who may be interested.
0: Absolutely. And also increasing training services for doulas so that there can just be more available to people as well.
1: Definitely. And so, speaking of going online, it is not surprising to me that this is a trend as well. Virtual reality is transforming healthcare. What do you mean by that?
0: Yeah, so the metaverse is everywhere, oh. is it not?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm undecided on the metaverse. Like I know like I can't escape it, but like can I? I might I be know. able to. I don't I know. know.
0: <laughs> no, I'm right there with you. Um it really feels inescapable these days and it's coming for your healthcare as well. <laughs>
1: it sounds so ominous. I
0: know, ominous, <laughs> futuristic. We're really in like a a Star Trek world here. But, totally. Yeah, but no, it's actually really exciting. So there's been an increased amount of research and attention on using virtual reality, so things like the Oculus headset for in a healthcare setting for a number of years now. And it's really come to a head this past year. So the FDA hosted a two-day summit over the summer to really explore. What are the main use cases for virtual virtual reality in a healthcare setting, um, and also what are the barriers and what are the risks involved with it? Because they're getting more applications to provide FDA approval for virtual reality um, services as a treatment. So what they identified in this summit is five key areas for use for virtual reality in the coming years. Um, And those are mental health, neurological disorders, pain management, pediatric conditions, um, particular pediatric uh, ocular conditions, Mm. and um, surgery, which is really interesting. So for our trend report, we dove into three of those in greater detail. They were mental health, pain management, and the surgery aspect because we feel like those are really representative of, again, kind of greater pain points that an increased number of people are experiencing. You look at something like pain management and the rise of long COVID, which we still don't know very much about, but it's having a chronic impact on a lot of people. And there's been research that shows that using one of these VR headsets um, could potentially help offset the use of of opiates for people in the treatment of pain management. So really, really exciting stuff here. and yeah, again, kind of the big barrier to entry for this is price. So these headsets that you need in order to complete these treatments are not cheap. I think the the least expensive VR headset on the market that I could find recently was about $250. Um, and the latest, uh, newest edition of the Oculus, which researchers really think is a, a vast improvement on the past models as well and really are, are making this treatment more um, more effective. I think they're like $1,500 to $2,000. Oh, wow. Yeah, so they're really, really expensive. Um, So what we're seeing is some spaces are finding ways to provide headsets for people in a clinical setting or a group setting. Or there's an organization called Flowly um, that uh, provides a membership subscription that you can buy. So starting at $10 a month, they'll send you a packet that has a headset that you Mm -hmm. kind of like rent, essentially, with your $10 a month. And has, you know, classes and meditations and and, uh, mindfulness exercises that you can use.
1: And when you say that people would use this headset for treatment, do you have any insight as to what treatment looks like using one of these VR headsets?
0: Yeah. Good question. And it's one I really kept asking my reporter as well. Um, So what it comes down to, a lot of it is meditation and mindfulness, particularly in regards to mental health and pain management. So there's new research, actually new research that just came out this week um, that shows that meditation can be just as effective for mental health, the treatment of certain mental health disorders as medication. Um, So I'm a big fan of medication. If you need it, don't get me wrong. Yeah love an SSRI if that's <laughs> something that you need. Yep. Um, but but some people are looking for other options. And I think getting back to this idea that we were talking about earlier of, uh, of everyone being on their own wellness journey and finding what works for them, something like a meditation or a mindfulness exercise could work better for you in your lifestyle. Yeah. So these VR headsets create a really immersive environment. It could put you in a forest or on a beach, and it leads you through these mindfulness exercises um, in a really immersive way um, that you just can't get on your own. Sitting in your bedroom, maybe you're in the middle of New York City, and there's sirens whizzing by. Yeah. Um, so, so that's kind of the big one. It also works in other ways too. It can kind of um, stimulate certain parts of the brain, or in the case of the ocular exercises, it can, you know, ask you to move your eyes back and forth, which can mm-hmm. strengthen the muscles in your eyes and can help con- uh, counteract things like lazy eye in kids, for instance.
1: Right, right. You know, you'll be hard pressed to find any sort of research study that like says something bad about meditation. So in my eyes, I'm like, you know, just make some time, like try to make some time, try to find a mindfulness practice that works for you. I recently this year, one of the biggest, I would say small wins for me was adopting a regular breathwork practice. And that was a platform that I'm sure you've heard about now called Open. And I have tried so many different platforms over the last handful of years. I've been working exclusively in wellness for eight to 10 years now. And this is the first time that I can say, like, without a doubt, I've stuck with it. It feels like a small win.
0: That's amazing. I I love open. Yeah.
1: yeah. Pain (laughs) management for the win. Also SSRIs. Okay. (laughs) Last thing I want to cover here in the health topic is the tampon industry. Wow. What a buzzy term. Tampon industry will, wow, the words here, overflow with options to meet the diverse needs of menstruators. Also, is menstruator a word in the dictionary? I think so. I'm into it. Yeah.
0: Um, no, we try and be gender neutral as much as possible yeah. um, in our terminology at Well and Good and really acknowledge that you don't necessarily need to identify as a woman in order to have a period. Totally. So menstruators, for the win. For the win. Period havers, bleeders. No, that sounds like a vampire movie. It's fine. We're here. Um, yeah. So yeah, I love talking about periods. I honestly do because I think people don't talk about them enough. And that's and, kind of, yeah, the founding reason behind this trend. Um, so the modern tampon, as you would probably recognize it, a bullet-shaped wad of cotton with a string in the middle in a cardboard tube, um, was patented by Tampax in 1931. And there's been very little innovation on that front since. Again, it looks exactly the same. Um, Playtex, I believe, introduced the plastic applicator with a rounded tip in the 1970s. So this is how slowly we're moving. Um, And the main reason that a lot of experts attribute to this stymied progress is is the stigma and the fact that periods are a taboo topic that people are embarrassed by and they don't want to talk about, um, and they don't talk about openly. So over the past few years, there's been a real uh, push for the period positivity movement. So people more openly discussing their needs around their period, Um, more realistic advertising. I think we're seeing brands move away from that like blue gel in the commercials that they use and, you know, just like legislation as well. I think they just a couple weeks ago ruled that tennis players at Wimbledon don't have to wear white underwear anymore while they play after hearing from a number of from athletes that they were really embarrassed that they would get their period on during the tournament and everyone would see it.
1: Isn't that crazy that like that is something that's up for legislation?
0: I know it's horrible. (laughs) I don't. Yeah, that that's a whole other conversation about kind of like women
1: in sports that I'd love to have with you someday. (laughs) We'll put it on the calendar.
0: (laughs) Yeah, Um, but no. So this this um, lifting of the shroud around around periods has really led to better innovation within the space, Um, led mostly by female founded companies um, that are interested in making tampons that are more comfortable and better designed for more bodies. Um, So, you know, there were a a group of athletes that um, noticed a lot of leakage, for instance. So they designed a new tampon that is kind of shaped more like a a compressed spiral. So when I first Hmm. heard this, I was like, how do you insert a spiral tampon? Hmm. Um, But when when you look at it, it's more that the the fabric kind of moves in a, a cylindrical, you know, space going up. And what that does is allows for a more even distribution of blood within the body to help with leakage. Right. So so really thinking about things from a use case and a real life point of view. Um, also innovations around the design of the tampon in regards to comfort, so it's a, it's a very common problem for people to experience pain or discomfort when they're inserting a tampon. Mm-hmm. Um, so there is a new brand on the market that has released a like a lube that hmm. you can put the applicator in first before inserting the tampon as well, for instance. So yeah, I love this innovation that we're seeing. I love that it's embracing the fact that people need more than just choosing between light, regular or super when it comes to their tampons and are really acknowledging um, the broad range of people that have periods.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm all for everyone being as comfortable as possible while they're also emotionally miserable. Like why are we making it hard for everyone just to feel as good as possible? That's all I want. That's all (laughs) I want. Okay. And our last category here, self- care. I want to touch on two of these topics. The first one, sexual wellness coming to a store near you. What can we expect coming to our shelves?
0: So many sex toys. Woo! Yeah. Not dissimilar from the period conversation. Um, sexual pleasure, particularly for um, people who have vulvas, has really grown over the past few years. And we've seen this shift of being more open talking about sexual wellness as it relates to um, to pleasure and enjoyment and not just procreation. Um, And we're seeing that start to be reflected on store shelves, which is really exciting. So you think back, you know, forever, as far as I can remember, at the drugstore, you could buy condoms, you could buy lube, you could buy pregnancy tests, um, but kind of all of these, you know, reproductive, sexual wellness, health products were geared around um, conception Mm -hmm. or having a penis, frankly. You think about condoms and lube, right? And this kind of like hyper-masculine branding that you get on condoms. Um, And what we're seeing now is that sexual wellness brands are more focused on pleasure, are moving into these big box stores like Walmart and Target and CVS and Rite Aid. And it's really exciting um, because, again, it's breaking down that taboo and it's making it more convenient for people as well. So you're stocking up on toothpaste and you can grab, you know, a vibrator as
1: well. I mean, yeah, because that's exactly what I want to do every single time <laughs> yeah. I buy a bottle of toothpaste. It's like today is the day I'm going to buy another new vibrator,
0: <laughs> you know, but they're so pretty now. They and really like funny. they come in these like upscale lux and gender neutral packaging. Yeah. Yeah. So one brand that we spoke to is this brand cake um, that's really focused on, you know, moving away from the the hyper gendered um, marketing around sexual wellness products. So we talked about the super masculine condom wrappers. And then I think we saw that reflected in kind of vibrators and sex toys as well, of a kind of like magenta device. Um, and they're creating this line of products that is fun, bright colors, not gendered at all. And um, they first uh, expanded into Walmart stores a couple of years ago, and then they launched in Target this year as well. So really just growing their presence. And this is something that um, a number of sexual wellness companies that we spoke with and have been on Well and Goods radar for a long time, like Dame and Maud are making the same moves um, heading into these big box stores in the new year.
1: I'm calling it right now. If you need a stocking stuffer and you haven't bought it yet, maybe this is where you need to think.
0: You should. And your mom <laughs> might not even know what it is. Like <laughs> maybe die. she
1: should, but they're not recognizable. I would die. I would absolutely die. Okay. Last topic we're gonna talk about here today. With mental fitness, we're working out our mental health like we do our bodies. We talk clocked earlier, a little bit about Open, an app that I am using constantly to work on my mental health. But it's bigger than that. It's bigger than just these meditation and breathwork platforms. So talk to us about why and what we're doing to prioritize our mental health these days.
0: Yeah. So mental fitness is a term that I love. It's really exploded in use um, over the past year or so. One of the first big brands that really put mental health at its forefront that use this term is Wondermind, which is Selena Gomez's mental wellness, mental health platform and company. Um, And they have mental fitness right in their tagline. And what it's speaking to is an approach to mental health that tells you, hey, you don't have to wait. You probably shouldn't wait until you're having a crisis, until you are depressed, until you're so anxious you can't eat, um, in order to think about your mental health. And rather, they're encouraging people to take a always-on, regular approach to their mental health the same way they do their fitness. There is a great quote we had from an expert that we spoke to in our report that said, you know, you don't wake up one day and go, oh, my left arm feels a little underdeveloped. Maybe I should give it some love today. Um, And we should be thinking about our mental health and our mental well-being in the same way. So getting back to what I spoke with a little bit about the meditation with the VR, you know, these mental fitness platforms are not meant to replace psychotherapy or replace medication for mental health, if that's something um, that you need. It's more adding to your mental wellness toolkit so that you have... Um, more strategies at your disposal that you can reach into on a daily basis and then also in those moments where you need some more support.
1: It's like Lumosity.
0: Yeah, Lumosity is a great one. Lumosity really focuses on... um, Kind of brain health, yeah, as well. Um, some others that we've looked into are this platform called Mind Bar, um, that accumulates classes from experts and from therapists into a single place so that you can follow, you know, tune in, follow along at your own pace. And they come, at, I think, a monthly or yearly subscription is about $150. So you think about some therapists who cost $150 or more an hour, and this is something that could be. A lot more accessible to people who are struggling to maybe get their insurance, cover their therapy.
1: Right, right. And that's like, I think, one of the biggest, most beautiful things from the last year, in my opinion, is that there are a lot of apps on the market that are trying to, I mean, for lack of a better term, democratize care in a way that we haven't seen it done before. So something as simple as maybe personal training, for instance, like I'm a huge fan of the Future app and Future is $150 a month for individualized one-on-one training that otherwise, especially here in New York City, could cost $150 a session. So we're really seeing that app developers and just good humans in the world are trying to find solutions for so many of us who have found cost prohibitive or a very... Or a barrier to entry in years past. And so that's just something that I'm totally on board with. And now I'm like really thinking about how I'm gonna ask for a Lumosity subscription <laughs> for Christmas. Honestly, I love it. I love it. I love it. Well, Abby, I'm so glad that we were able to connect IRL and chat through Well and Good's trends for the coming year of 23. Anything else we should know, things to expect before I let you go?
0: Oh, wow. I think I would just highlight something that we were getting at, that you were just getting at, Emily, which is that a really clear through thread that we saw with our trends report this year that gives me a lot of hope about the future and makes me really excited about the future of the wellness industry is this question of access. Um, and again, use the word democratizing. I think that's a really great one. And it's bringing these resources to people who are are geographically diverse, are racially diverse, are traditionally overlooked. And we're really serving them um, in a better way. And I think that's the direction wellness really needs to move towards. And I'm excited to see us making some progress.
1: Same, same. All right. So how do the hurdlers follow along with you? How do they keep up with you? Where can they see the entire report? Give us the details
0: yeah so the report um is live on wellandgood.com check it out and you can follow us on instagram at i am well and good and we also have our podcast of our own so wherever you find podcasts um check out the well and good podcast
1: amazing i'm over at emily abadi and at hurdle podcast another hurdle conquered catch you guys next time